0: Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org, or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. Amen. Here's where we're going to go, and here's what you're going to discover as we go to Psalm 19. If you turn there in your Bible to Psalm 19 with me, and here's what we're going to discover in this psalm. We're going to discover several things... And I just want to kind of do this as a review, and if you have a pen and you like to write in your Bibles, uh, Revenge of the Analog, let me say that. I love the digital devices, but my analog device doesn't ping me or give me notifications or distract me. We live in an age of distraction, and so I say Revenge of the Paper Bible, but that's just my thoughts. But if you do and you have a pen, I want you to just take a moment and let's do an inductive Bible study and circle a few things for me. There are some descriptions of the Bible here. There are six descriptions of the Bible in these passages. We're looking at Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11. And if you have your Bible or if you have a digital device and you want to just uh, highlight those, we can do that as well. Six descriptions of the Bible, it's the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear, the judgments. Do you see those? This is God's word, this is how he describes his word and we're gonna look at that in a moment. And then we're gonna look at six qualities of the Bible. These are characteristics of the Bible, qualities of the Bible. It says the word of God is perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, It's true and righteous. Go ahead and put a star by that. Underline that. And then you're going to see six effects of the word of God. The word of God is going to have an effect. Remember, we read in Thessalonians that the word of God effectively works in those who believe. When you put your trust and belief in the word of God, it goes to work. Why? Because it's alive. It's living sharper than any two-edged sword. Word of God is active. It's not dead literature like Shakespeare, which is beautiful, wonderful literature. Read it, put it back on the shelf. But you read the Word of God, it's a living, it abides forever. There's a depth to it. You can't fathom it, the bottom depths of it. It continues to live. And not only as you read the Word of God. Have you ever read the Word of God? And you begin reading the Word of God. And you're studying the Word of God. And then the Word of God begins to read you. Isn't that what's so wonderful about the living, abiding Word of God that it, it reads me? It knows me. It understands what I'm going through. It gives me answers to life. It guides me in life. That's the Word of God. It's that sharp. It's that powerful. And it's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true and righteous all together. We're going to look at that here in a moment. These are what we're going to discover. We're also going to discover some of the other characteristics of the Word of God, that it converts the soul. It converts the soul. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm excited about teaching this, but I want to tell you before we get there, you can underline, it makes wise the simple, it rejoices the heart, it enlightens the eyes, it endures forever, and there it builds a sweet desire in the soul for the Word of God. That's what we're going to look at. And so these things here that I just kind of shared with you by introduction, hey, praise God that, that uh, there's a ministry happening up in the mountains. Praise God that we've got a promise that tonight we're going to leave here changed and transformed. Praise God the word of God will do a work tonight. But God also works through prayer. And we already prayed, so I'm gonna skip that slide. I've got slides here. Why don't we go to verse seven with me? Verse seven. Psalm 19, verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What do we learn from Psalm 19 about the Bible? First of all, we learn that the Word of God is perfect. It's perfect. What do you know in life that's perfect? We could rephrase this, the word law and testimony and statutes and commandments and fear and judgments, as we see those descriptive words, they speak of the Bible, the Word of God. But here it says the law of God, the word of God, the Bible itself, it's perfect, it's flawless, it's sufficient. It's all we need to know the right way, the way of life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that you, the man of God, the woman of God, might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is sufficient and it's inspired. That means it's, it's breathed out by God. And here it says it's perfect. It's whole, it's complete, it's sufficient. It's hard to find things like that. It's hard to find things that are perfect. Everything on earth seems to show up with its imperfections. But the Bible here is describing, it's describing itself as perfect. And we don't need the Bible plus anything else. A lot of people are into Bible plus. They might say it and they might not say it. The Bible plus psychology, the Bible plus philosophy, the Bible plus this, the Bible plus that. You know, we could call this message, the Bible is all you need. It's perfect. The Bible is all you need for discipleship and counseling one another. Do you know we're all called to counsel? But you're not the counselor. We know who the counselor is. Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus is described as that wonderful counselor. And the Psalm says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. But we can become instruments of God's counsel. And when God uses you, whenever you pick up your phone and somebody calls you and asks you a question and has a need or a concern you become a counselor. We're all called to counsel because counseling is synonymous with the word discipleship. And so we're all called to go, therefore, and make disciples, Matthew chapter 28. And so the word of God is adequate, sufficient, super sufficient for everything that we need in life and godliness, First 1 Peter tells us. His divine power has given us all things. The word of God is sufficient. It's flawless, nothing necessary missing from them. No mistakes including in them. No redundancies, no omissions. It's a crime to add to it. It's a treason to take away from it. And it's wrong, a felony to alter it. That's what I think the Bible is saying. The law of the Lord is perfect, but verse 7 continues, it's so perfect, what does it do? It converts the soul. Has it converted your soul? Yes, it has. What can change a soul? You know, man is made up of uh, material and non-material, organic and non-organic components, right? That soul is that part of you that will live on forever, and you could even divide that as Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says that the word of God is sharp enough to divide between soul and spirit that spirit, that place where the the very life of Christ dwells in the believer, soul, the mind, the emotions, the will, the intellect, the personality, the soulishness, can be converted by the word of God. What else can do that? Nothing. The word of God is able to convert the soul. It could be translated reviving, restoring, transforming. God's word will and can and does revive you. If we, like Paul said to those at the church at Thessalonica, would put our belief and trust in it, that it is coming forth as not the word of man, but the very word of God, then it will go to work in us and effectively transform our heart and convert the soul. Bring a soul, bring a life back into the condition that the Lord intended us to have in the first place. It's beautiful, the converting of a soul changing back to what man was supposed to be. In other words, God is able to restore, renew, revive lives. Man, people's lives are broken around us. Headache and heartache and depression and trouble and trials and difficulties and impossibilities and burdens. If our eyes were opened to see the people in this room, the freight train weight of heaviness on somebody's shoulder that we don't even realize it's going on. It's the Word of God that can take that soul and revive it. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. If you need, if I need, if we need any changing, converting, restoring, renewing, reviving, go to the Word of God. God's Word is able to do it because it's perfect. I'm convinced. I'm convinced in the power of the Word of God. I'm not saying that just because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian man, because I'm a a man that loves God. I'm not just saying that because I, you know, stand up here with the Bible. It was 1992 and I was running as fast as I, w- I could away from God. And there was something missing in my life that was serious, and I didn't know what it was. I was 26 years old. It was only three years ago. 92? Wait a minute. <laughs> something was missing in my life serious as a toss and turn on my bed, serious as a heart attack, something's missing. Something ain't right with my life, what is missing? And I tried to fill it with every kind of thing imaginable. You the crazy things people do to find peace and, and purpose in their life. And I did it. Living in Los Angeles, Southern California, driving a 1969 Chevelle with a, yeah. Edelbrock high-rise, manifold, holly, double pumper, carburetor, you know, the drill, Ford 9-inch rear end. (laughs) Driving around, thinking I'm cool. Something was missing, though. Something was deeply missing in my life. I had a Gideon's Bible. And I read in the Bible... I'll never forget the day. I was, I was just, well my girlfriend left me. I was pretty bummed. Things weren't going my way that day. I was sad. And things weren't going my way for years. I was empty. I was searching. I was confused. I filled my life with everything imaginable, chasing for peace. What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? Is there a life after death? There's got to be something more than this. And I read, we're hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I said, how does it know? How did it know my life? How did God's word know me? I didn't know it was God's word. I didn't know nothing about it. Then I heard a Taco Bell commercial, and it says you have uh, 60 days and 60 nights until this special is over for tacos, like six tacos in a, like a box. And then he said, that's 20 more days than Noah had. And I said, Noah, uh, that's in the Bible. I didn't know anything. It was a Gideon's Bible. The back of the Bible said, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for you? Do you believe you're a sinner? I said, Yeah. Do you believe that the penalty of sin is death, eternal, life, eternal separation from God in a place called hell? I said, yeah, I, I think so. Do you believe that if you, <laughs> that Jesus so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, that he died and he rose again from the dead, he died for your sins? I said, yes, and I signed my name, I begin to cry. I got saved reading the Bible by myself. No, no church service, nobody giving me a track. And so as I teach this message about the Word of God is perfect, converting the soul. It converted my soul, and I've got to tell people. I've got to tell people about the power of the Word of God. It'll change your life, and it's still changing my life. And you know what's changing yours, too. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Look at verse 7 again. I'm convinced at the power of God's word. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In addition to being perfect, God's word is sure. It has this divine certainty, infallibility about it. It's sure. How many things in this life can you say are sure? Oh, this is a sure thing. Until it proves not to be a sure thing. (laughs) The word of God is sure. It's reliable. It's absolutely certain. You can count on it. It won't let us down. It is sure. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Listen to this. It makes wise the simple. It's sure enough to make wise the simple. Because the Bible is reliable, it can make wise the simple. This Hebrew word here for simple comes from a root word that speaks of an open door. It speaks of a... Trust like uh, a childlike trustworthiness, like a child, like a like a son trusts a daddy. Child t- trusts a parent. It makes wise the simple. Have you ever done anything really, really stupid? Yeah, me too. <laughs> How about that which is stupid and has very serious consequences like, how could I be so dumb? (laughs) It's easier to see that in somebody else. How could they be so dumb? There's no wisdom in that. You know, as a biblical counselor, I train biblical counselors as well, and I hear all the stories. Oh, the way that lives suffer, the way people go through heartache and headache and create headache when they don't have God's wisdom. Well, the Word of God is able to change that life and make them wise. The Word of God is is able to, to spare us and others from the tragedies and the heartaches of foolishness. Notice though, notice this. It's able to make wise the who, the simple. It's not able able to make wise the wise. Why? Because the wise don't think they need it typically. Too often, hey, I'm wise. You have your Bible. You look like you need it, Jeff. <laughs> I said yeah, I do. And they say they're wise. But the Bible says, not many wise are willing to say, Lord, I'm just a simple one. Not many wise are called. Yeah, there are some, but not many. The Word of God, it says, does not make wise the wise, but the humble, candid, teachable minds receive the Word of God, like we read in our first passage in 1 Thessalonians, that it says that those received the Word with all uh, just." open as the Word of God, not as the Word of men. It worked in them effectively, those who believe, put their trust in it. Anyone that will come to the Lord, to the Word of God, with childlike humility, God will make them wise. I mean, this is exciting to me that simpletons like me can be made wise as I read the Bible. I need to read the Bible more. I do. You do, we do, and anybody that comes to me, they need to hear the word of God, the truth of the word of God. This is encouraging to me. I like this. How hard is it to qualify for the word of God to do this kind of a work in your life? How hard is it to qualify? Well, God's word is able to make wise this simple. God's wisdom is given through his word to those who admit they need it. We're needy people. It's okay to say that. I need you, God, every day, every moment. Oh, how I need you. I need you right now, actually, (laughs) Lord. That's a prayer. God's word is perfect. God's word transforms us. God's word makes us wise. What else do we know about it? Look at verse 8. Check out verse 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The statutes of the Lord are right. The statutes of the Lord are right. That word right in the Hebrew means that the Bible has given us the right path to follow. It speaks of a a path, a way to go, a lifestyle. The the word of God, it's right. And isn't it right? You don't have to lose your bearing in the fog of human opinion. God has given you the right way to live. You know, when I was, I was sitting there on my rooftop at that business when I read my Gideon's Bible in Southern California after being depressed, I got up there and read the Bible. I got born again, and I thought, you know, this is right. This is the right way to live. How come nobody ever told me about this? My folks didn't tell me. I loved my folks. They, they loved me. They raised me. in a a loving, caring home. But they didn't tell me about Jesus, neither did my friends, neither did anybody at work. Nobody came, well, one guy said he witnessed to me, but I don't remember it. Isn't it great when you find something that's just right? The word of God, isn't it right? Listen what happens when you see the rightness of the word of God. The word of God is right. It's absolute correct. Man's way is incorrect. God's way is correct. If you disagree with the Bible, guess who's wrong? I am. The Bible's right. It's absolutely correct way to think and live. It's it's so correct therefore it rejoices it rejoices the heart. The word of God it rejoices the heart as we are in the word of God as we study the word of God as we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ through the word of God the statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart rejoicing the heart it's kind of like I'm gonna try this here Woo! that's what the word of God does It it, it means to jump up and spin around in your heart when you're in the word of God. It's so right. You're just like, woo-hoo. By the way, God rejoices over you. That's when he thinks of you right now. It's like he's jumping up and flipping around. I love you. Anyway, that's just a side note. Really, seriously, right now, you, even you, even me. God loves you and he rejoices over you. And that's what the word of God does when you see it's so right. It's so right. You just go, wow. I need that rightness tonight. I need it now in my life. For raising children. For being a husband. I don't even know how God found me in the gutter and said that you're going to be a pastor. That is absurdity. But the Word of God is able to make wise the simple, and it's the wisdom of the Word of God, so it can't be me. And that's what most people will say. Well, it ain't him. It's got to be God. Well, good. Give God the glory. Zay, me, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes, and it's evident, obvious, unmistakable, that I don't have what it takes, but I know one who does have what it takes. And he'll take a vessel that will yield itself And there's things that God will do with people. But we need the Word of God to march day by day, don't we? I mean, the the wrestling that's going on in this culture, in this world, the things that are happening all around us, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to come away. Come away and be in the Word of God daily. Listen, read your Bible and pray every single day. Listen. Read your Bible and pray every single day. Jeff, listen. Read your Bible and pray, Jeff, every single day. It really does a transforming work, and it rejoices the heart. It's right. That's what the Bible says. Do you know how heavy and discouraged hearts get? They come across one issue after the other issue that just proves not to be right. They try this, that wasn't right. They try the other, that wasn't good. They tried this relationship with that person, they weren't right. They went for this job, that job wasn't right. They had a great hope to build a mighty, effective life. It didn't work, it wasn't right. It's so awesome to finally find that which is right. Being committed to the Word and walking in it, because it is right, rejoices the heart. And that's what it does. It makes you glad inside. And you know what? Listen, when you and I, we both know this. We all know this, right? We know this. Sometimes when you're going through the hardest, confusing, difficult times, isn't that the time the Word of God speaks with great... um, just It just rejoices the heart. Circumstances are spinning out of control. But the word of God, in the midst of that <laughs> moment, Lord, why can't it be when I'm on the mountaintop or when I'm just cruising, doing good, doing right, feelings are going okay, emotions are right, things are flowing, things are clicking, things are moving forward, upward. But it seems to be in those valleys, those difficult times that the word of God speaks the loudest and clearest and it really rejoices the heart. But it's when I need it. Because it's, it's God speaking to me. It's God speaking to you. This is how God speaks to us. And I know, I can see, I can sense it isn't Uh, uh, you know, hidden. That this is a group of people that has a hunger and a biblical literacy that loves the, the Lord and the Word of God. But let me encourage you in this. Counsel it. Disciple people with the Word of God. I'm hoping that you leave here transformed, yes, but that you have also a higher view of scripture than when you first walked in that God's word is able to transform a life bring rejoicing and convert a soul and that you put your confidence in the word of God when you share with people when you disciple people when you counsel people when you help people that you don't shy away or be afraid of or not ashamed of the word of God that you give the word of God to people because it will not return void it's the word of God that has the power not man's words and it effectively goes to work in those who put their belief in it. And it was just like me on that rooftop when I read the Word of God. And I couldn't believe as the Word of God began to read me. And I said, I've got to go tell people. How come nobody told me? I've got to go tell the world. And so the Word of God rejoices the heart. Many people have little or no joy in their hearts. And sometimes that joyless condition exists because they have no knowledge of or interest in the right way. It says the word of God is right. They're trying to find out what they think will work for them instead of seeking after what God has for them. And there's joy in the right ways of the Lord. That our answers for life are found in God's Word. We can find that joy. We could direct others to that joy. If we let let our counsel come from the Word of God alone, if we let our discipleship that we bring to people be from the Word of God with the discernment, knowing the difference between flesh and spirit, in man's ways, and God's ways, in the philosophies and the empty deceit of this world, if we are in the Word of God, we will know the difference because the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's sharp enough to show you the difference between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, or I should say joints and marrow. It's that sharp. God's Word is able Look at verse 8 with me. The second half of verse 8 says this, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. There's no corrupting elements there at all, no impurities, no admixtures, no additives to the Bible, no preservatives, pesticides. Don't panic, it's organic. That's what people say today. But there's no stain of sin that pollutes the word of God. It's free from anything that would diminish or damage life. You can trust the word of God. It, it has what we need. The commandments of the Lord is pure. It's so pure, it enlightens the eyes. In it is the pure, pure light of heaven. God's word can shine upon us and in us and let us see the things we need to be. It enlightens our eyes. The scripture is like a skilled ophthalmologist and makes spiritual eyesight clear and bright. It's a discernment. The word of God can do this, and it is doing this in you, in me. Look at the progress here of this guy. The psalmist David He begins to declare the power of the Word of God. And notice this one who was converted is made wise. He's made a wise soul, a joyful disciple, and now has a discerning eye. Do you see the progress that's happening in the passage? Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The Scriptures produce fear or godly respect toward the Lord. That's what it does. You begin, you, begin its, you begin to respect God more the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you're in it. There's a fear of the Lord and it's clean. No corrupting influence, no filth that brings decay, nothing to destroy or dissipate lives. The word of God is clean. And it endures forever, reminds us of 1 Peter 24, or chapter one verse twenty four All flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers, <laughs> the glory of man withers, and his flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Invest in what's eternal, the Word of God. It endures forever. This crazy world is comforting to know that there's something that we can count on and trust in. It's the Word of God. God's throne is unshaken by this culture, this world that we're living in, and His Word is unaltered and it endures forever. We can trust it. You can count on it. Verse 9 continues The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, it's accurate. The Word of God, it depicts absolute reality. We talk about being real. The Word of God is real. It tells you what is real. You know, we under… we overlook this inadvertently, I think, often as Christians. Sometimes we depart out the church doors and say, well, it's time to return to the real world, somebody would say. But seldom do we think that that's really actually stating it backward. Because the world that we are preparing to return to is a world, a place of futility and fantasy and vain imaginations, uh, lofty speculations lifted up against God. And guess what? This supposed real world will someday be gone forever. Actually, those of us that are gathered together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're the ones living in the real world, the kingdom of God. There's an eternality. That's why we're gathered together tonight. That's a smart thing. The Word of God has made us wise because we do these things. This is reality. That world, vain imagination, it's going to burn. It's going to be gone. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. A kingdom founded upon, this is, this kingdom of God, founded upon truth and substance, not lies and empty wishes. This is revealed in the Scripture. That's what it says. It endures forever. And it's true and righteous altogether. Every aspect of the Word of God, Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, you can trust it. It's true and righteous altogether and in its parts. Look at verse 10 with me. Moreover, they are more to be desired, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. The Bible has a truth that enriches the soul to the highest degree, higher than gold, yea, much fine gold. The material wealth of this world cannot compare to the riches that we have in Christ. And the word of God will declare what is ours in Christ, more noble than mere material wealth. The word of the Lord is designed to be more satisfying to the spirit than even his honey to the taste. So much of man and humanity is tormented with this emptiness. But we can, be, we can have it replaced with the deep spiritual satisfaction that the only, only the word of God can bring. It's funny when you read this and you look at this and you think of this, I remember as a young man, I I chased after hard after pleasure. Money, yeah, I could do that another time. That was good because it helped me have more fun and entertainment and pleasure. But as you get older the people are thinking about the bank account and the money. And look at this. Whether it's the young or the old. That seems to be the The thing that people are chasing after, either pleasure, like the taste of honey, or the wealth, gold. Yay, much fine gold. But God's word is designed to satisfy that deep, empty pit, that longing that many people have, and they're chasing the wrong things. I know I have. Maybe you have too, one day. You did. The emptiness. The Lord's word brings satisfaction. And then verse 11. Verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. There's a warning, a thread of warning through the Scripture, right? The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the penalty of that sin is death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. It's a warning. It's the bad news. There's warnings throughout Scripture about adding to the Scripture and taking away from the Scripture. That's not a good thing, is it? The Word of God has warnings about the right way to live and the wrong way to live. There's dangers that the Word of God will warn us about. It's good to take heed to the warnings, kind of like as I drive over the I-70. There's guardrails, and it's good not to try to, you know, violate those. The Word of God has kind of guardrails, and they're smart. And the wisdom that God brings keeps us within his path, the righteous path, but there are warnings. By them, your servant is warned. Every servant of God has given a warning from the Scriptures, and we need to receive warnings. The dangers of the world, the flesh, the devil are all about us. There's a constant threat. There's a roaring lion. He's the devil who seeks whom he may destroy. He doesn't want to merely Irritate. He wants to rob, kill, and destroy and rip you off and me off like an enraged lion would do to its prey. There's warning. But in keeping them, there is great reward. Keeping them, being doers of the word, as James tells us, not hearers only. To respond to what God has said. And so tonight, Just a simple study, just a quick Bible study through a few passages of Scripture with the promise attached to it, that if you receive it with the humility as the Thessalonians did, that they received it not as it was from the Word of man, but the Word of God as it is indeed, in fact, that as they received it, it would go effectively to work in their lives and transform them. The Word of God has that ability. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, com- the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More, more, To be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine, gold sweeter, also than the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. Jesus wants to make himself known through the word of God tonight. In a deeper way. And if we get to know him better, we'll know the riches that he's speaking of here. That it is is richer than the gold, than the sweeter than the honeycomb. They're in his word, lo, in the volume of the book, I have come. It is written of me, Jesus said of himself. The Lord himself can be seen here. As you study it, as you memorize it, as you read it, as you obey, it'll transform you and you'll become the fruitful Christian, in a greater capacity like never before. And then you can pass this on to others. That's what discipleship is, isn't it? Discipleship is walking through life, growing in the word, in prayer, and fellowship, in worship. But it's passing that on to others. It's, hey, come on. Let's do this together. Let me help you. That's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. Continue to do that. But with trust, a greater trust, I pray in the Word of God that it is sufficient. Yes, God's Word is inspired. God breathed everything that God wanted to say to humanity. He breathed that the apostles and the prophets would write everything God wanted to say, and it's in a book. And it's authentic. The authenticity and historicity of the Scripture is attested to through archaeology and through manuscript evidence. We can trust the Word of God as it is handed down to us today because God has supervised it. He didn't just let it go. We can trust our translations. This one, the one you're holding in your hand, maybe not the New World Transgression. New World Translation, that's the one the JWs use. That was a joke, ha ha. (laughs) it's inspired so it's God breathed it's inerrant but it's sufficient it's authoritative it's clear you can read it My, my seven year old she was reading it when she was four and younger probably I don't know ask mama but she started reading the Bible she can read it and it's clear and she understands it so it's clear enough for a child to read and understand, but for a scholar to never reach the bottom of it. It's enriching to all the authoritative, inerrant, inspired Word of God, but it's sufficient. That means it's adequate. It's all that we need for life and godliness. Everything we need to please God to become wise to be revived and restored to enter into a rejoicing life. It's in the word of God. That's what we have in our hands. The word of God really changes lives. So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to share the gospel. And I'm going to close, and as the band comes up, maybe some of you tonight haven't ever taken that first step. And by that, I mean you haven't taken the first step to know God. How do you get to know God? It's through His Word. The Bible tells us how to know God. The Bible says, and I've shared this before, that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means... We haven't lived up to God's standard. It tells us that Jesus Christ died for our sins 2,000 years ago and paid the penalty for every wrong we've ever done. And Jesus rose again from the dead three days later. And that he stands at the door as if our hearts had a door, and he stands and he says, can I come in? And he knocks, and if we hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. If we take that step of faith, we can be forgiven. That's what happened to me in 92. The Word of God penetrated my heart. It was the Word of God. The seed came into my heart. It took root, and it began to grow. And so as I pray, I want to give an opportunity for you. Somebody here that wants to ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody listening, whether listening on the Internet, on the radio. And if you're in your car and you wanted to find a safe place to pull over and just hear this concluding thought and pray with me, I'd love to pray with you. If you're watching from home I'd love to pray with you there as well. And if you're here this evening. And if you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you would like to know tonight you would like to rejoice because you're not rejoicing. You would like to be fruitful because your life is not fruitful. You'd like to have that peace because you don't have that peace. Something's missing, something's empty in your life right now. And the Word of God, you want it to be alive, but it's not alive. It can be tonight. But you have to admit that you've sinned, that you've broken God's commandments. Just admit it. And then you have to be willing to turn from that sin. You're running from God. It's, it's, it's time to turn around, do a U-turn in life, do an about-face and turn back toward God. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Come now to Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Say, Lord, forgive me. I believe you died for me for that sin and that you rose again from the dead. I believe that Jesus Christ, that God sent him God, you sent your son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If that's you today, if you would like to pray to receive Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you want, you're saying, Pastor Jeff, pray for me. I want to know that I will go to heaven. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up. Is there anybody here? I see those hands. Can we all stand together? If you're here tonight and you have raised your hand, and maybe you haven't, there's going to be people, I'll be down here, there will be pastors down here to pray for you. Don't leave here tonight without Jesus in your heart and that the word of God, even if you just need prayer, come and receive encouragement because we're all going through battles. We're in this together. We're the family of God. And if you raise your hand, and if you're listening online, and you would like to pray to receive Jesus Christ, just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I've been running away from you. I make a U-turn right now. I turn my life, and I'm going to run toward you now. I believe I've sinned against you. And I believe you died for that sin and rose again from the dead for that sin. Tell them that and mean it. And just say, thank you for forgiving me. I receive you now as my Lord, as my God, as my Savior, as my friend. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's worship.